This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Before we get started, uh, Goose, I, I want to say how much we appreciated having former head coach Jim Fossil pinch hitting for Ron last week in Las Vegas. He was good. Jim, what are you trying to back. say? Jim he was good. Back. Jim can come back anytime he wants and filling in for any of the three of us, as long as it's not me. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, he was so good. Ronnie, we'd like to talk about an opening we've got here. It's either chauffeuring Jim uh, to our next show, or maybe it's uh, <laughs> taking tickets at Star Wars The Force Awakens. Well, as Coach Belichick has taught me, Clark, the more you can do. <laughs> there you go. Can I help well. you with those bags, sir? <laughs> Uh, anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, Ron, you, you missed a great time with uh, people at Luxor at the hotel and casino. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was the first time I'd been there in Las Vegas in 32 years. The last time, Ron, no you appreciate this. It was, yeah, it's Jerry Tarkanian I sat down with. It was a great time. I had like an hour and a half with him. He's the best. Those, was yeah, the those best. were the days. Was it, those were the days. Um, but, of course, much as you would know has changed. You've been there uh, a lot over the last year. But um, what hadn't was, uh, I thought, a, a real nice feeling and hospitality we got there from Luxor and, uh, and also from the executive VP in charge, Mark and Chad Brown, who basically gave us the keys to the place. That was terrific. Um, Chad's not going to be on this week. <laughs> I think after his performance last weekend, he probably has his own gig on some radio show. But uh, we're not short on, short on guests today. We have uh, Hall of Fame semifinalist Edger and James. Ty Law to talk about their candidacies, and Hall of Fame voter Nick Canepa, friend of the show, to talk about what may be the last home game in San Diego Chargers history. Sad, but true. And there's plenty more, including uh, another chapter in our greatest rivalry series. But let's get down to more immediate business, guys. I was struck by something I heard last week after the Cardinals beat the Vikings in that Thursday night game. And it was Bruce Aarons talking about that strip sack uh, that Dwight Freeney had to end the game. It was a great play. And as Bruce said, it was a great play by him. That's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Rick, he is? Well, Kevin Green thought he was going to the Hall of Fame, too, and he's been thinking that for 12 years now. He, he, this guy ranks third in the all-time sack list behind Reggie White and Bruce Smith. In his 12 years of eligibility, he's been a semifinalist nine times and a finalist four times, but he still can't get fitted for that elusive gold jacket. Harvey Martin, Leslie O'Neill. Jim Marshall, there are lots of quality pass rushers with careers the equal of Freeney that can't even get into the room to be discussed. So I'd say slow down on all that future <laughs> Hall of Fame talk. What do you yeah. say, Ron? Well, I agree. Look, you guys know I watched him play a lot because it seemed like they were, you know, they were playing the Patriots every time you turn around. And I'll be honest with you, I just, uh, you know, there's research obviously to do, but I never personally came away with the feeling that there was a Hall of Fame player. He was, a, yeah. to me, a Hall of very good player. But a pretty much one-dimensional guy, you know. He rushed the passer great. He didn't play the run very well, and often played it lousy. Uh, I saw him take a lot of plays off, and and, and frankly, uh, in big games against the Patriots, at least, you had to. The FBI couldn't have found the guy. So, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I don't look at him and think, boy, you know, Hall of Fame player. I, well, think, I think boy, pretty good. Yeah, Goose has a good question, though. I mean, Kevin Green has been waiting forever. 
right. and he's third in the all-time sack list, Ron. And and you know he wasn't going to the Hall of Fame. I think he is now. I think we're going to get him in this year. But yeah. but this guy, Dwight Freeney, I sort of have the same feeling about him. I mean, I realize he's all decade and five-time All-Pro, but I sort of had the same feeling as you guys. I thought he was sort of the Hall of Very Good. Right. That's what I think. And and. And Green was more than that, and as Goose points right. out, look at look at his struggles getting in there. So, but I think most of these guys would say these kind of things. You guys know, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. You yep. know, they, if all the guys in the hall of were in the Hall of Fame, for example, the John Gruden said should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, it'd be like three new wings on the place and a hotel in the back and conference center. That's just for this coming year. Oh my God. Hey, uh, Goose, I, I want to give uh, everyone sort of a quick recap of where we stand with playoff teams. So I'm going to ask you to start here. Whom, whom do you trust and, and whom don't you? Um, and I will remind you guys about what I said about the Cincinnati Bengals and why January may not be so kind to them. You wouldn't be saying that if Andy Dalton was still healthy. I would. Clark, I trust the teams with franchise quarterbacks who wear rings. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson. Those are the guys I trust this time of year. Yeah. How about you, Ronnie? I, I, I agree. You know, I, uh, I actually have some trust of Carolina, though. I think they've put together a good, well-balanced overall offensive and defensive team. It's easy for me to tell you who I don't trust, which is anybody for the NFC least or the AFC <laughs> South. Come uh, on. I mean – God almighty. They're, you know, they're like the low-polling candidates in presidential uh, debates. You know, they should be in another room, not really involved in the debates. <laughs> we're not going to be in another room, but we're going to another segment. Uh, coming up, former Colts great Edron James and why he should be in the Hall of Fame. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Any Tom, Dick, or Harry can tell you that Geico could save you money on car insurance. But since money talks, why not go straight to the source? Hey, Harry's money here. And the day Harry went to Geico.com and switched his car insurance was the day I got to hang around. Finally, boys bonding, bada bing, bada boom. No wonder Geico has 97% customer satisfaction. Personally, I give him 100, but that's just my two cents. That was funny. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license law 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. (laughs) Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. Back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. 
Can't do it. I want winners. Our next guest is the NFL's 11th all-time leading rusher, a second-time Hall of Fame semifinalist who's looking to make his first trip to the finals. Edrin James won two NFL rushing titles for the Indianapolis Colts and rushed for 1,500 yards four times in his career. He was as fast as back in NFL history to gain 3,000 yards, 4,000 yards, 5,000 yards, 6,000, 9,000, 10,000, 11,000. I think you get the idea. Get the idea. Edwin James was special. And what he did with the football under his arm was special. And now he's here with us today to talk about his career. And this will be special. Edge, welcome to the show. Hey, how y'all doing, man? Thanks for having me on. You got it. it. Hey, Edge, every back in the top 14 on the NFL's all-time rushing list is in the Hall of Fame except two, you and Ladanian Talmudson. And Talmudson's not eligible yet. So what's the holdup? What's your definition of a Hall of Fame running back? Well, I think the, the running back position, you know, when, you, when you're brought into the game and you're asked to, to play running back, you're asked to do three things, three major things, and it's to be able to run the ball, to be able to catch the ball, and to also be able to block. And nowadays, for some reason, they, they just – downplaying the significance of all the blocking that's been done. And me, I took pride in doing all three things. You know, I wasn't a player that was, you know, that was just in there to run the ball or just catch the ball. You know, I stayed out there to do the other part that's, that's not really highlighted. And to be, a, to be a Hall of Fame running back, you got to be able to do all three of those things. And also off the field, you got to be able to carry yourself a certain way and represent, you know, the NFL. And that's one thing that I've always tried to do and I've always made sure that I was aware of. You know, to be a Hall of Fame back, those are the things that I think is very important. You became Indy's uh, all-time leading rusher during the seven years you were there, but you never went to the Super Bowl. And then you left in your eighth season to uh, sign a free agency with the Cardinals, and boom, the Colts go to the Super Bowl. In, in hindsight, how much would you have liked to have spent your, your entire career uh, in Indianapolis and played in that championship season? Was that hard for you? No, it really wasn't hard, you know, because you under, when, you, when you come into this game, you understand the business, you understand the NFL. You know, so there's really no hard feelings. You know, I have a great relationship with the coach. I'm once a coach, always a coach, and I have a, a tremendous respect for the owner and the organization. So I'm always tied to the organization. And as far as the championship, you know, I understand that we was right, we was right there. So I knew there was a there was a good chance of them getting to the Super Bowl. And as a team player and as a coach, you know, the first thing that I did to help was as soon as they drafted Joseph Adai, you know, I made sure I kind of fed him up as far as learning anything he needed to know as far as the offense to kind of help the team. Because for me, you know, I understand the organization and I love the organization. So I'm always going to take pride in helping any way I can. Even if I wasn't there, you know, I was there somewhat. Hey, Edge, the organization loves you too. They gave you a Super Bowl ring, didn't they? Yeah, they gave me one and, um, you know, I appreciate it. And I, I always keep that near and dear. <laughs> Where is that near and dear? Do you wear it or is it in a showcase someplace? That's why I didn't say the location. <laughs> you don't trust us. <laughs> You're right, guy. <laughs> smart man. We're with a smart man. Hall of Fame semifinalist Edger and James and Edge. You had a couple 1,000-yard seasons for the Cardinals. Uh, you even made it to a Super Bowl with them in 2008. You spent the bulk of your career with a couple of special guys, and those are Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, then you go to Arizona, Kurt Warner. And Kurt Warner is also a Hall of Fame semifinalist. Can you compare the two for us? Well, they're both great guys. You know, as quarterbacks, they both love to throw the ball, you know. So it's, it's one thing that, that you get to know your quarterback a lot when you're the running back because you're, 
you know, you have to do a lot of protecting them also. And then you have to get up there and you got to fight for the ball because, you know, the quarterbacks, they, they love to put the ball down the field. And both of them are great guys and, and the team players. And the, and the amount of work that I see both of those guys put in into the game, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise to see the success they've had and for them to be going into the Hall of Fame. You know, so as far as comparing the two, you know, it, uh, it, it was two different types of offenses. You know, Peyton was more – it was a more carry-out-your-fake, detailed, you know, run-pass balance. You know, and then out in Arizona, you know, it was two different systems. And, and the second year, you know, with the second staff, you know, we kind of favored um, Kirk the way he liked to – you know, when he was with the Rams and, you know, he liked to throw those quick passes. And and so it's, there's, there's, it's a lot of similarities, but it's kind of different also. But at the end of the day, the results – Pretty much the same. And in that 1999 draft, all the hype was about Ricky Williams and his Heisman Trophy. Did you feel you were being shortchanged in the draft process? And when did you find out you were going to be drafted ahead of him? Well, that, that process, it kind of reminds me of how everything goes in my life. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, at first, you know, they kind of don't pay attention to things and they really don't get into the details. It's just like with this Hall of Fame thing. When you break everything down and you look into everything, You'll, look, you'll, you'll realize, you know what, this guy deserves. And that's what happened during that draft time. You know, you know it wasn't a thing that was highlighted, you know, because I was at the University of Miami. We was, we, was under, we, was, we was just coming out of those sanctions. And, you know, so we was below the radar. And then once the coaches and the team, the organization, they did their homework, you know, they realized that, hey, this guy could really play. And so it wasn't a surprise to everybody in the organization or anybody that actually did their homework. It just was a surprise to everybody else on the outside because they only get a chance to see what's shown on TV and what's popular, you know. And, you know, Ricky's a great running back. He had a great career. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, I fit that system. And, you know, we, we went out and we put the work in, and these are the results. And what was the second question? Right, so when, did, when did you find out you were going to be drafted ahead of him? Were you told on the clock? You're going ahead of him, or how, did you know it beforehand? You were you were going to go ahead of him in the draft. The Colts tip you off at all? No, nah, during during the whole process, you know, I um I never knew where I was going to go. You know, I was just happy to be going into the NFL because I knew that once I got to the NFL, you know, that I was going to actually become a great player. That was always my thought process. So it's just a matter of waiting and see where you're going to go. And you know, right before, during the draft, you know, I guess during the third pick. You know, I get the phone call from the Colts, you know, and everybody was shocked. And, you know, but they had, they, you know, after, you know, after, after the whole process went over, you start putting the pieces together and you can start seeing that, you know, they, they had been snooping around. They had been asking questions, you know, that was unusual, but you really didn't pay no attention because you never thought that they was going to trade Marshall Fall. You never thought that, you know, the draft would turn out the way it turned out. So you really kind of ignored the signs. So that's, that's kind of how it played out, and I didn't find out until the, um, until right before the pick. Now, you obviously uh, not only were a great runner, uh, but you had three 60-catch seasons and a couple of 50-catch seasons. How much did you pride yourself on your receiving, and how did you become as proficient with it as you became? Never one, you know, it's, it's, part of those, it's part of what it takes to be a great back. You know, so if you want to be a great back, you have to be able to do all three things. And as far as catching the ball, I never wanted to leave the field. You know, if you go back and look at that film, you know, I never wanted to come off the field. If Peyton was out there, I wanted to be out there. You know, and that's one thing that kind of motivated me to get more involved in the passing game. I could always catch the ball. You know, that was 
that came naturally. But to understand that everything that goes into catching the ball on a whole, on another level in the NFL, you know, you had to put in the extra work. So we put in that extra work and took pride in being being the bailout guy. You know, sometimes when the pass is not down the field, the, the running back is you know that's the last that's the last read. And you know, I was fortunate enough to be with a great quarterback that could make it happen. Edge, question for you. There's a belief around football that there's a wall for running backs, and we're speaking, by the way, to running back, former running back, Edgerin James of the Indianapolis Colts and Arizona Cardinals, but there's a, a belief that the wall for running backs uh, historically is 29, the age of 29, but you rush for 1,000 yards at the age of 29 and never again. Eric Dickerson, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jerome Bettis, some of the other backs who rushed for 1,000 at 29, but never again. Is there, in fact, a wall well, for me, I, I don't think there's a wall because when I was 30 years old, my, that year in Arizona, I was up to my best year in Arizona. You know, but because of the we, because of the personal stuff going on with the staff, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to play, you know, so they put me on the sideline. And I still ended up leading the team in rushing, and I had an average that was better than the person that I was replaced with. But, you know, it's a lot of stuff that goes into the decisions that are made. And I was well off to – having another 1,000-yard season easily, which would have put me number six, number seven, number eight all time. You know, but unfortunately, things like that happen, and you're not able to, you know, kind of fulfill that obligation. But as far as the the, the wall, it's all situation. It all depends on the player. And it wasn't – and a lot of times you don't get there because you're hurt. I wasn't injured, and I was – you know, and then it brought me back on during the playoffs. You know, so it's one of those things where, you know, it, it depends on the player, it depends on the situation. And I can't say that 30 is the wall. I'm quite sure that um, the Adrian Peterson is going to prove that 30-year-olds can get get the job done. Frank's going <laughs> to prove that. So, yeah, I, I don't think – I don't believe in that. Yeah, and Curtis Martin led the league in rushing at 31. Exactly. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's all situational. Edge, if you could pick one game to give to the Hall of Fame Selection Committee and say, judge my candidacy on this game, which game in your career would it be and why? I, I really can't say one game because every game is different, and you have, you have to look at the body of work. You have to look at all three phases of the game. You know, and a lot of times, you know, everything's highlighted from a statistical standpoint, but there are a lot of games where you had to get that tough yard, you know, where you had to make that important block, or you had to – be the outlet on catching that pass, you know, so it's, it's hard to just say one game. I just think when, when it comes to me, you can't just judge me off of running the ball. You know, you have to look at everything. You look at how many snaps I played. Look at how much I was on the field. Look at, you know, all the blocking we did. I played in a one-back system where you didn't have a fullback that's going to lead the way, you know, and your tight end, he's always going out as far as a passer. So when it, it's, it's different. So it's it's one of those things where you can't just say one game. I can't I can't personally say one game because I play I try to play every snap and try to play as much as I could. Ed, you're in a kind of a unique situation that uh, you know you're a semifinalist. So was uh, your coach Tony Dungy, Marvin Harrison, Kurt Warner, your four former teammates. Is it kind of difficult for you in a way to find yourself competing for the same sort of spots with so many friends and, and former teammates uh, on the way to the Hall of Fame? No, it's it's it's, it's one of the things that you embrace. You know, first of all, it's, a, it's an accomplishment at, to just be in the group. But once you're playing this game, you're playing a long time, you're always going to have somebody getting, a, getting an award every year. 
you know. And so you treat it like that. We're all teammates, you know. When you look at Coach Dungey, you look at Marv, you look at Kurt, we're all teammates, you know. It's just a different award that everybody's up against. And when it comes to our position, you know, we play, we play different positions. You know, everybody plays different positions. And, you know, it's one of those things that it doesn't affect each other. Edge, I want to thank you for the time and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thank Edge. you, Edge. Thanks, Edge. That was former running back Edger and James. Up next, more on the Hall of Fame semifinalists. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Proactive, where for $19.95 you get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. It's a good deal. This is better. You get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-9544. Hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Like you, I'm a big sports enthusiast, and I want my gear to shine like new. That's why it's clean with Simple Green, the concentrated cleaner that's perfect for making your auto, RV, cycling, boating, and other sporting equipment look like new again. Try it today. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new four for four. Four bucks for the junior bacon cheeseburger with freshly cooked applewood smoked bacon, four all-white meat nuggets, and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right, just four bucks for a junior bacon cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four. Now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and let's face it, whose doesn't? Go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis, and within minutes, you can download software They'll clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's mycleanpc.com. And not many people slowed down Edger and James when he played. He was our guest on the last segment. He was, as we pointed out, the league's 11th leading rusher, is the league's 11th leading rusher. And that was after spending most of his career with Peyton Manning, where the Colts threw first and maybe thought about running second. So, guys, simple, basic question here. Does Edge belong in the Hall of Fame, Goose? Yes. 
he was the fourth overall pick of his draft and lived up to those lofty expectations. He won NFL rushing titles in each of his first two years. He had 7,000-yard seasons despite a knee injury early in his career. He also had a couple 60-catch seasons in the passing game, was named to the NFL All-Decade Team for the 2000s. He checks all the boxes. It might take him a few years, but I think eventually he gets in. Ron, does he check your boxes? He does check my boxes. Uh, you know, anyone with that kind of production over a long career, uh, you know, belongs in there. You guys have known me a long time. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm the father. Unfortunately, thing, so, yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we all have our Speaking of long careers. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I'm the farthest thing from one of these numbers guys. But sometimes the numbers argue loudly for a player, and they certainly do for Edge. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, had his team won, say, two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and he had the same numbers, ESPN would be calling him. Even Goose, in fact, would be calling him first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> Words would never come out of his mouth. So I'll tell you what's uh, impressive is he had that injury and in his that knee injury his third year, right. and he still came back and had a great year despite you know what that that huge setback. Yeah, and, and Goose, look at the impact that setback had on that Colts team. They went down yeah. the chute that year. Right. Uh, right. So, hey, listen, guys, we have, as you know, we have three running backs among this year's semifinalists. That's Edge, Terrell Davis, and Roger Craig. So where does Edge rank among them? I guess, Goose, what I'm asking you to do is can you stack these guys for me? Okay. Uh, I, I go James, Craig, and Davis. And admittedly, Davis is third because of the shortness of his career. I think James and Craig were more complete backs who did it longer. Yeah, to me, Edge is first by a mile. Uh, I have Davis uh, second and, and Craig third. In my mind, Roger Craig is a classic example of uh, the Hall of Very Good. He was a really good player on a great team who benefited greatly, frankly, from the people around him. And Davis was great and maybe the best of all of them for a very short period of time. But two and a half years of brilliance, just, uh, you know, that's not going to get you by Aker and James. Yeah. But it will get you into the Greg Cook wing of the Hall of Fame. Goose, nice. I want to go back to what, what you said. Oh, Greg Cook. <laughs> I like that. Um, go back to what you said about you have uh, Roger Craig ahead of Terrell Davis. Um, mm-hmm. Does Craig get, does he get penalized? I mean, we talked about this last week. Does he get penalized by being a tweener because he was a fullback and then a running back? And as he said, hey, listen, when I was a fullback, I didn't get those yards rushing that a guy like Edger and James would. Yeah, that's that's all going to play into it. When he was as good a fullback as there was in, in the first part of the 19th decade, decade, and as probably as good a tailback as there was in the back part. I mean, the guy was a 1,500-yard rusher. He he caught 1,000 yards with the passes in 85. He did it. He was complete. If you could have put it all together in one package, he might already be in the Hall of Fame. But would you put, it's separated. Would you put him in, Goose, if it were up to you? You had one vote. On the bubble. You, on the bubble, um, I think I would because I, I do think there's a role for the fullback position, and he was as good as, as we've seen probably in the last 20 years at the fullback position. Okay, all right. Well, what about now kind of going forward? We've got the finalist vote coming up, and, and that's in early January, I think. Um, in any case, these 25 semifinalists can be reduced to 15 finalists. Somebody's going to get in there uh, who's a wild card, and maybe it's more than one. And I'm just wondering who – that guy might be. I mean, could it be Edge? It's going to be some first-time finalist. Could it be Edge? Or could it be one of the five offensive linemen not named Orlando Pace or Alan Fanica? A safety, maybe? Steve Atwater? Goose, who, who do you think might yeah, sneak I'd in s- here? Clark, I'd say keep an eye on Atwater. Uh, I think we're very close to someone kicking the door open at safety. We haven't enshrined a safety in 18 years. I believe that's the longest drought for any position player. Um, there are so many good safeties in the queue and coming up. This committee cannot continue to hold the safety position down. You're right. They're about ready to kick the door open when Ed Reed shows up. 
<laughs> up until then, I don't think it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, for me, it's Sam Mills and Carl Mecklenburg. I'd love to see both of those guys get a shot. Uh, do you think one will, though, Ron? Do you think one will? I do. Actually, I think this is that kind of year, as you point out, Clark, that, that you know, there's an opportunity for one or more of these kind of guys. Look, both those guys could ball, man. If you ever saw them play yeah. and you didn't leave saying, man, I, I want that guy on my team, then you didn't, weren't really paying attention to what was going on. Uh, I think Mecklenburg probably has a little bit better of a shot than Sam just because, you know, he played in a, in a, in a market that had a little more success and he's a little more well-known uh, nationally than Sam was. Uh, but to me, both those guys are – I'm not for sure they're Hall of Famers, but I'm for sure they, they deserve to have their cases made. Well, Ron, I want to follow up on that because in the second half of the show, as you know, in our second hour, we got Ty Law coming up, who right. you believe very strongly should be in the Hall of Fame. Can yep. he sneak in here? I mean, do you think he's a guy who could sneak in? Well, I hope so. I mean, he's numero uno to me. When I, when I, you know, I saw him play every every game he ever played until he left uh, New England, and most of the ones after that. That guy was. They didn't win a Super Bowl for ten years after he left, and they still had Tom Brady and a lot of other things. So, and I don't think that was a real accident. He was the anchor of a of a really underrated defense. Hey, Ron, you said you, you said numero uno. You put yes. him over Favre. Well, maybe numero dos. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, Ty. New good, ca- <laughs> good, good catch. Goose. That was a good one, Goose. You got me. Yeah. You got me to the wall on that. Hey, hey, Goose. Goose, uh-huh. are you a Ty Law guy too? I mean, do you think you he gets in, or would you like to see him in over someone like an Atwater uh, or a Mecklenburg? I'm a defensive guy for stars, but I'm a believer there should be a proper order. I mean, the reason the selection process got so screwed up where too many players would jump in the queue, there is a latest, is the greatest mentality in the voting, and too many great players have slid as a result mm-hmm. of that because, the A, they didn't have stats, or B, they didn't win a Super Bowl. For that reason, I probably like Atwater over Law. Atwater has been waiting in the queue longer, and his patience ought to be rewarded at some point. Well, Ron mentioned Mecklenburg. What do you think his chances are of making it from 25 to 15? I think that one of the two guys. <laughs> that yeah. says it all. Yeah, whoops. That says it all. Yeah. I think one of those two guys. I think one of those two. I think either Mecklenburg or Mills has a shot. I don't think both of them get there. Okay. Right. I agree with that. Well, there's a signal we get every week that the doctor is in the house. I'm talking, of course, of our resident doctor data, Rick Goslin, numero uno in our opinion, who's here to remind us, Ron. It's not just ability that determines winners and losers. It's, it's availability. availability. <laughs> exactly right. Gentlemen, exactly in right. 1992, when the Cowboys won their first Super Bowl, they were the youngest, deepest, fastest, and healthiest team in the NFL. The Cowboys lost only 11 games by starters due to injury that season. When they repeated as Super Bowl champs in 1993, they lost only eight games by starters due to injury. No team has managed to stay as healthy since then in a championship season. The Rams came close in 99 when they lost 11 games, and the Steelers lost 16 by starters in 2005. Obviously, when you can line up and play on a weekly basis with your 22 players of choice, you enhance your chances of winning. In the last 25 years, the average number of games lost by Super Bowl champions has been 37, which brings us to the 2015 Baltimore Ravens and San Diego Chargers. The Ravens won 10 times a year ago and brought Super Bowl aspirations into the 2015 season. The Chargers won nine games last year, and with a franchise quarterback in place and Phillip Rivers, San Diego also carried Super Bowl hopes into the season. But contention has not materialized for either team. The Ravens sit 4-9, and 
The Chargers 3-10 and 10 and both have to rank among the biggest disappointments this season in the NFL until you factor in the injuries. Both teams have already lost 49 games apiece by starters due to injury. Neither team has been able to compete with their players of choice. Both were now as without Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, former AFC champion, SAC champion Terrell Suggs, a thousand yard rusher in Justin Forsett, and a thousand yard receiver in Steve Smith. San Diego has been able to keep Rivers healthy, but little else around him on offense. The Chargers have lost 32 games by starters on that side of the ball. Rivers rookie running back Melvin Gordon and right tackle Joe Barksdale are the only Chargers on offense to start all 13 games this season. It helps an NFL team, NFL team to have talent. It helps even more to have healthy talent. Well, I agree with you there, Goose. And uh, to me, you know, it's interesting. The Bengals uh, going into last week's game were were uh, were second only to the Dolphins in fewest total games missed, meaning by all their players, not just their starters. Uh, and that number was 62, and Miami's was was 55. And the next closest was Denver at 85. But now they've lost Andy Dalton for four to six weeks at least. Uh, does Can one injury trump all those other numbers? Ryan, you saw for yourself in 2009. Patriots went 16-0 with Brady in 2008. When he suffered a knee injury in the opener, forcing backup Matt Castle to play, the Patriots fell off by five games to 11-5. Bottom line, if you have a franchise quarterback and lose him, you've got problems, big problems. The Cowboys have suffered through those problems this season, and now it's Cincinnati's turn without Andy Dalton. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Goose, because if you notice three of the top four AFC teams... They're not playing with backups. The one is not New England. We're playing, however, with our next commercial. We got to go. But when we return, we're going to hear why Ty Law should be in the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Geico presents Kathy, the Candid Realtor. Okay, and right around here is the kitchen. Gas range, granite countertops, all those gadgets you registered for will look great up here until that toaster overheats and takes out everything in a two-foot radius. It's hard to know all that comes with renting a home or apartment. That's why the GEICO Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. 
Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Also brought to you by Geico Car Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. And that's not all, folks. Guess what? We're brought to you by Proactive, too. Yo! For just, yeah, 1995, Ron, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush, valued at 45 bucks. Sound good? Because it, it is. Does. Yeah, but what's better? You get clear, stay clear, or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. And we've got a couple minutes here, guys, to visit or revisit our weekly Hall of Fame Shame Awards that periodically show up on this program. So I'm ask you to make yours, Goose. Kick it off, baby. I'll go with Des Bryant. He spent the offseason believing he was the best wide receiver in football and wanted to be paid like it. He held out the offseason program, then missed a chunk of the training camp before agreeing to a $70 million contract. Well... This week, he ranks fourth on his team and 113th in the NFL in receiving with 27 catches. He has only two touchdowns and one 100-yard game. That's not how a $70 million receiver uh, is supposed to play. Uh, uh, Ronnie? Dogging my old friend, Dez. Jeez. Uh, for me, it was LaShawn McCoy this week, uh, You know, and I like uh, Shady, but you know, it's one thing to kiss your old team's logo, and I'm all for telling your old coach to tell him to kiss your logo. Uh, but why, why blow off your ex-teammates after the game or, you know, refuse, refuse a kiss, hand up? Kiss my logo. Kiss my logo, bro, as LaShawn said. Uh, you know, or, or one of your ex-teammates trying to help you up and, you, you know, you slap his hand away. I mean, come on. Is this, let's, whatever happened to sportsmanship over gamesmanship? And, and, you know, look, fight like hell to win. When the fight's over. Act like you're, man, you're a man and not some petulant child. Well, it sounds like this is all about the Hall of Shame, so I'll just keep it consistent. I, I want to pick a referee, any referee, because sooner or later he goes in because nobody knows what a catch is or pass interference is or apparently what a low blow to Ben Roethlisberger is. Yeah, that's right, Ben. It was Buffalo's Dennis Thurman who said the officiating is what? A disgrace to the NFL. And you know something? I second that motion. It's no disgrace, however, to recognize birthdays. Birthdays, I said. Thanks for striking up that band, Derek, no matter the number. And that's what we're going to do here. On Friday, December 18th, Greg Landry, the last Lions quarterback to make the Pro Bowl before Matt Stafford was chosen last year. Greg made it in 1971. He turned 69. On Saturday, December 19th, one of the game's great guards, Randall McDaniel, turns 51. And on Tuesday... December 22nd, my favorite punter and Ron's favorite punter, yes, Ray sir. Guy, turns 66. Branch Rickey is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, if for no other reason than his longevity, 50 years as a player, manager, and GM. But I bet you guys didn't know his roots were in football, having played professionally for the Shelby Blues of the Ohio wow. League for two years before signing his first baseball contract. Rickey was born on December 20th, 1980, excuse me, 1881, and passed away in 1965. So happy birthday to a sporting legend, French Ricky. Ricky, don't lose that number. That's a good one. I like Lime Ricky myself, but uh, for, for, for me, it's, uh, I can't believe you forgot this guy. How quickly they forget, uh, uh, Clarky. December 16th, the birthday of one of the NFL's greatest meteors, one that came with a wide tail, very wide tail. Flapjacks are cooking for the fridge. William, refrigerator for Harry. 
And those are coming with a side of bacon, three, four eggs. And as he once told me when I said, what do you like for breakfast? A loaf of toast. <laughs> we well, eat a lot of toast, but we don't have a lot of time here. So I want to congratulate everyone. And Ron, I'm going to turn things over to you because I know you're going to make a Hall of Fame case for someone you think belongs in Canton. And that's someone's we know well, Ty Law, who it just so happens can make his own case later in the show, in fact, in the second hour. So, Ron, let's hear what you got. Friend of the show, Ty Law. Uh, if production is the essence of a Hall of Famer, Ty Law belongs in Canton. He was a five-time Pro Bowl corner, four-time AFC champion, a three-time Super Bowl champion, a two-time NFL interception leader, and a member of the 2000s uh, All-Decade team during a 15-year career. He first became a starter in 1995, his rookie season in New England, and remained a starter at arguably Pro Football's most challenging position for 14 years which is just about unheard of. By the time he retired, he had 53 picks, tying him with Deion Sanders for 24th all-time, and he added six more in the playoffs, and he returned eight of those. He was the personal nemesis of Clark's best friend, uh, second best friend, Peyton Manning. He intercepted him nine times, including five times in the postseason. Lasso physically dominated Manning's receivers that a plea for an armistice was made by then Colts general manager Bill Polian, uh, and that led to many of these hands-off-the-receiver policies in effect today. Uh, originally known as the Mel Blount Law, the softer way today's DBs have to play is widely now known as the tie law. Law seemed to save his uh, biggest plays for the biggest games. His six playoff interceptions ranked third all-time among pure corners, and many feel he deserved to be MVP of Super Bowl 36 uh, for the way he dominated the Rams' greatest show on turf receivers, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, and he was in man coverage the whole time. The Law played his entire career at corner limited his interception numbers, frankly, and that may have cost him an easier road to the hall. I know Rod Woodson has been, among others, has said uh, he would have had a dozen more picks if he had uh, played the end of his career at safety, as a lot of these guys did. That might have made the road to Canton easier. To, uh, uh, but when he was in Kansas City late in his career, Billy Kaharick, uh, their personnel director, told me, uh, when I asked him why he isn't a safety, he said, because he's our best corner. Ty Law remained an elite corner, according to Kaharick, quote, longer than nearly anyone I can remember. Only 12 pure corners are presently in the hall. Of those 12, Law has more interceptions than five and trails five others by four or less. In other words, when it comes to Hall of Fame cornerbacks, Ty Law's numbers stand up to the best who ever played. Apparently Clark they agree. Is, Clark, is Law a classic <laughs> case of a Super Bowl championship player should be rewarded? Would he be a Hall of Fame candidate if he had the same career in Cincinnati or Jacksonville? Well, I don't know. Good. I'm going to ask Ron. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, that's a very good question. The, the, we know the effect of Super Bowls. Uh, there's no question about that. And there's certainly guys who have suffered from that. Uh, to me, he's a Hall of Fame player. I don't care where he played. He, if Aeneas Williams is a Hall of Fame player, which he was, you know, you can't tell me that Ty Law wasn't because, frankly, Ty Law was better. They were Quick both run. great, but Ty was better. Quick question for you. Ken Riley or Ty Law? I know Goose likes Ken Riley. Ken Riley or Ty Law? I like Ken Riley. I love me some Ty Law. Ty Law was <laughs> Ty Law was a complete corner. Sixty-five picks in Cincinnati. Yeah, well, he should have. He had Lamar Paris on the other side. It was going all those Pro Bowls because he was better than Ken Riley. Still got to make the picks. <laughs> well, that means we're going to make our picks right here with the end of our first hour and the beginning of the two-minute drill. Ron's going to ask the questions this week, so Ronnie, let's get it going. Here we go, boys. After watching an interception he threw Sunday on a computer tablet, Johnny Manziel whacked himself in the head several times with a machine. Should he have been put in the concussion protocol? The tablet was okay, so was the head. He should be placed in ego protocol. <laughs> yeah, he should have on draft day. <laughs> in 1967, the Packers and Cowboys played in the Ice Bowl at Lambeau Field. Goose was covered. 
Sunday, it was 55 degrees, the warmest December kickoff in Lambeau Field history. Does that make it the global warming bowl? Doesn't matter. The Cowboys can't win in Green Bay in good weather or bad. Yeah, I'm mean, with you. <laughs> no, but they miss, makes it another Dallas loss. <laughs> Saints cornerback Brandon Browner has been called for holding 11 times this season. Do they not have coaches in New Orleans? He held 11 times a year ago in New England, too, but they don't throw flags against the mighty Patriots. <laughs> yeah, they do have a coach. They have one, but not for long. <laughs> what underdog AFC team would you least want to face in the playoffs? Pittsburgh. Big Ben knows the path to the Super Bowl well. I'll second that. Pittsburgh. They have deep threats galore and a Super Bowl-winning QB. Which underdog NFC team would you least want to face in the playoffs? Seattle. Pete Carroll flipped a switch in November, and the Seahawks are again playing like the team that went to the last two Super Bowls. Ditto, and I'll tell you why. Russell Wilson, no quarterback, is hotter. He loves quarterbacks, Goose. I love What's Russell going on Wilson. with the Falcons, boys? Explain. Pioli, Dimitrov, Patriot Magic is gone. What's going on, Ron? Nothing. Falcons owner Arthur Blank has given head coach Dan Quinn not just a vote of confidence, but a vote of complete confidence, despite losing six straight and seven of his last eight. What's it take to shake that guy's confidence? A nine-game losing streak to end the season. Red ink at Home Depot. <laughs> Who woke up Eddie Lacy? The Cowboys' defense. <laughs> his banker. What does it say about Mike McCoy that his 3-10 and 10 charges have first and goal at the 1 with 5 seconds left with a score 10-3, and they come out of a timeout, and they get flagged for delay a game? It tells me Philip Rivers didn't have enough time in the huddle to introduce himself to all his new teammates before the final play. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I know what to give him for Christmas. I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I like it. Sunday was Fan Appreciation Day in St. Louis, where the Rams are trying to flee to L.A. Would you feel appreciated if you were a Rams fan? The fans spoke their piece. They were 15,000 short of a sellout on Fan Appreciation Day. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I'd show them how much I appreciated them, Ron, by responding to then-Padres president Chubb Feeney responded to hecklers on Fan Appreciation Day in 1988. He gave them the one-fingered salute. <laughs> Half a peace sign. You know, Thurman, you, as Clark pointed out a minute ago, Thurman said the officials were, quote, a disgrace to the NFL for flagging Buffalo for 15 penalties. What does that make his team? An improving team. They had a 17 penalty game early in the year against the Giants. Makes him first off the tee next January. <laughs> That's the end of our first hour of Don't Go Anywhere. When we come back, we'll hear from Ty Law and hear about one of the game's greatest rivalries here on the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. <coughs> hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. 
Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. In this hour, we're going to be sitting down with New England's Ty Law, who, like our first guest, Edron James, is a Hall of Fame semi-finalist. And we'll be talking Colts, Patriots, as our greatest rivalry continues. But because this segment tends to be one where we pay homage to historical events, I'd like to recognize the 83rd anniversary of indoor football. That's right, indoor football was December 18, 1932, that the NFL moved indoors for the first time with the championship game between the Portsmouth Spartans and Goose. I think that they become the Detroit Lions. Yes, sir. Um, and the Chicago Bears, they moved that game from Wrigley Field to Chicago Stadium, home of the Blackhawks, a former home, because of a blizzard. Now, the Bears won that game 9 nothing, but that's not what made that game significant. This is, one, it was held indoors. Two, it was the first time there was a one-game playoff held to determine a championship. And three, it forced rules changes, most notably the use of hash marks and forward passes becoming legal from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage. The passing rules set the stage, of course, for today's game. And official league championships start being held in 1933 leading to a one-game playoff that today, yep, today is known as the Super Bowl. So here's to indoor football, guys, and follow suit. I'd like you to mark your Hall of Fame of significant indoor events. Goose? Clark, is this supposed to be a trick question? <laughs> I mean, gentlemen, take your pick. Michigan State winning national basketball oh, titles, Salt Lake oh, City in 79, oh, Indianapolis oh, 2001, the Spartan oh. hockey team winning a national uh, title in St. Louis in 2007, Michigan State winning the Cotton Bowl indoors Spartacus. in Dallas. And hopefully can add a national football title indoors in Phoenix in 2016. Oh, God. That's Sorry awful. I asked, Ron. What is wrong with you? Now, you know, Clark, you've known me for a long time. Especially yeah, unfortunately. We running around in the Bay Area. So I can tell you about a few yeah. significant indoor events, but I'm not going to. Uh, instead, I'm going to go to my famous football goose-related indoor event. June 19, 1992, Arena League Orlando Predators rookie, wide receiver, and defensive at Barry Wagner as the, most, uh, the greatest miracle minute in football history. Easy for you to say. Yeah, in other news. Uh, in that minute, Barry Wagner catches two touchdown passes, catches a game-winning two-point conversion, recovers an onside kick, and makes the game-saving tackle at defensive back, all in the final 60 seconds. Have either of you fools ever been that productive in your entire life, let alone in a minute? <laughs> Ron, whatever happened to Barry Wagner? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing now. I think he's driving a truck. <laughs> he yeah, had his what moment, minute. that's for he, sure He did, he didn't have his 15 minutes He had his one minute, that was a great minute Mine would be uh, actually a punter named A.J. Trapasso Not to be confused with A.J. McCarron And Goose, you would know this Because you're down there in Jerry World He's the first guy to hit the scoreboard He was a punter And of course that scoreboard's home to the Dallas Cowboys And our Rick Gosselin But that happened on August 21st, 2009 Shortly after the stadium opened. I was there. That, that, yeah. Were you really? Yes, sir. Did you see it? Wow. Yep. And what did you think? <laughs> 
This they is going to happen again. They better raise the scoreboard. They better more. raise the scoreboard. That's right. Well, at the time, I remember, because I, I remember bringing it up actually to the commissioner who said, you're an idiot. And of course, you guys remind that me of that. Yeah, well, week. he was right about uh, one thing this year. Yeah. Uh, it was feared that could <laughs> and would become commonplace. Um, especially with guys like Shane Leckler, Mike Cyphers, and, and Andy Lee in this league. But, of course, it didn't. In fact, only two others have done it. And Leckler was one of them. Goose, as you were probably there, too, hitting the scoreboard in September to win a bet. Yeah, those guys, uh, during pregame warm-ups, they're all trying to hit that scoreboard every game. The punters are out there trying to hit it. Uh, let me throw one more. I, I, the 1978 Super Bowl between the Cowboys and the Broncos was significant for two reasons. First off, obviously the Cowboys won. And secondly, it was the first Super Bowl played indoors at the New Orleans Super Bowl. Uh, the NFL has since taken the game indoors to Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Indianapolis, Minneapolis, and Phoenix. Well, how about that Super Bowl in New Orleans uh, with the, the Ravens and the 49ers? Power outage. It's a great oh, game. Yeah. yeah. Remember when the lights went out there? I'd say That's that right. was a significant event, Ron. That was a significant event. And how about this last one? I have to tell you about this one. When the Latin laser... Nick Davila of the Arizona Rattlers in the Arena Bowl Championship 25 years ago, I believe it was, or nearly that. He was 23-30, nine touchdown passes in a 72-54 win. He had more touchdown passes, nine, than incompletions, seven. Wow. My kind well, of QB. Yeah, well, my kind of uh, segment is one that comes to an end here. Up next, cornerback Ty Law of the Patriots, Tom Brady, and a great rivalry. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? <coughs> hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Ty Law, not only was a five-time Pro Bowl cornerback, three-time NFL champ. Ron, did you hear that? Three-time NFL champ. count them. And member of the 2000s All-Decade team. 
He's back for his second turn as a Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist. And best yet, he's back with us for his second turn. Ty, we normally say to th- people, hey, thanks for joining us. But with you, thanks for rejoining us. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you know, Ty, most players, uh, when they get in the position you're in, the, uh, they always say, oh, I never think about the Hall of Fame or I never ever thought about the Hall of Fame. Uh, but you've admitted many times that you always thought about the Hall of Fame and that you used it even to kind of prepare yourself for uh, for games. Could you explain, you know, for the people listening, your thinking about, about the Hall of Fame and how it motivated you? Well, uh, when I first uh, came into the league, and I know uh, uh, you can attest to what I was saying from early on, I mean, if you get to the Hall of Fame, that means you got to hold yourself to a high standard week in and week out. And I always strive to be, a Hall of Famer at the end of my career, you know, since my rookie year. Uh, and it was, I just used it as a motivational tactic. Uh, I came from a hometown where Tony Dorsett, Mike Dick, uh, uh, Hall of Famers were, they came up. So in order to be like those guys I looked up to, I had to strive to be the same type of player and be the same thing one day. So, you know, I knew it was far-fetched, but that's what I just did to motivate you know, myself to, to be the best out there on the field. Ty, there are only 14 pure cornerbacks in the hall. And as a side note, that's half as many as the 28 wide receivers in Shrine. <laughs> a, a number of brothers, <laughs> Pat a, number, a number of brothers moved to safety late in their career and padded the old interception totals. Did you ever right. wonder why you didn't make that shift like a Ronnie Lauder or Rod Woodson did? You know what? Uh, I, I do. Uh, me and Ron, we talked about it a, a, a few times and, uh, no one would ever want to move me back you know, for whatever reason. You know, Ron said he called around a, a, a couple places and they said I was still the, the best cornerback, you know, on the field. But I did want to move back uh, to safety because talking to someone who I looked up to a lot, uh, Hall of Famer Rod Woodson, he said you should move back. You know, he said that he got 30 picks, 30 of his 70-plus interceptions back at safety but I never had that opportunity. Deion Sanders went back. Aeneas Williams went back. And uh, I just never got that opportunity. But I wanted to. I I thought I could have played uh, safety and maybe got a couple more years out of the deal, but it just didn't work out for me. So I tried to do the best I could at corner. Even though I probably couldn't run the same as I used to, uh, (laughs) it it, it worked out. And and it, it it, it is what it was. Hey, Ty, I want to make sure we're clear on one thing. That Ron that you looked up for, to, that was Ronnie Lott, not Ron Borges, correct? <laughs> Should have been no, me. No, I said, I said Rod. I said Rod. Rod. Oh, Rod. Okay, I thought you said <laughs> Rod. I'm sure he meant yeah, me. Rod, I'm sure he meant me. <laughs> do, you, do you look up to Ron Borges? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, hey, look, you know what? Let me tell you something about Ron, man. He is one of those guys that's always going to shoot it to you straight. So, you know, we, we, we bumped heads a few times <laughs> with, with differences really? of opinions through the years. But I always uh, – uh, respected Ron because he 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 told you his opinion whether you liked it or not. You know, what I mean? so, and, and you can only you can only respect that at the end of the day because he gave you kudos when it was time to get kudos, but he also let you know when you stunk up the joint. <laughs> so me and Ron, we always got along. Well, Goose and I are still waiting for those kudos from Ron. So yeah, no kudos uh, I, for you guys. Ty's yeah, a Hall of Famer. You guys not so come. much. <laughs> uh, we're with Hall of Fame semifinalist Ty Law on the Talk of Fame Network. And Ty, um, you played for Belichick. You played for Parcells. If you had one game to win, which coach would you choose and why? If I had one game to win now, if you're talking about from a game plan perspective, uh, I would say Coach Belichick from a strategic standpoint. But if you're talking about from an individual standpoint where you have to go out and make that play, and if it was all on me, I would say 
Coach Parcells because he has a way of getting up under your skin to have you pissed off at the other guy you're lining up across. So I, I would say, uh, depending on the situation, uh, would be the coach that I pick. So I mean, uh, they were they're the two great coaches, but they have uh, different philosophies in my opinion. And you know, Parcells was a master motivator and manipulator of getting into you know one's head. Either you were strong enough to handle it, or or and, and go out there and succeed, or you would. You would fold up the tent and 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 not perform. You know, Belichick is going to put you in the right position, you know, to make the play from an X's and O's standpoint. And I think he's un, he's unmatched when it comes to that. But they're both great coaches in their own right, and they're both Hall of Famers. Which one did you enjoy playing for more? Tell the you truth. Now. <laughs> There's a long <laughs> pause there. A long pause. You know, I'm going to tell the could tell the truth. I would say I had more. You know, it's hard to say you enjoy playing for someone else when you win three Super Bowls with Coach Belichick, you know what I mean? Because right. it's not just about the coaches, it's about the guys that you're playing with. But I did go to a Super Bowl with Coach Parcells as well, but I was a young guy, you know. I mean, he was always on me. He always rolled me. So that wasn't a lot of fun because I was the first-round draft pick, and he let me know it each and every day by the riding me. But that also helped me become the player – uh, that I was. I mean, if, when you talk about uh, picking the groceries and all that, he picked me. So I have to, you know, have a, a side that I, I enjoy Coach Parcells because he gave me the opportunity. He drafted me, you know, uh, and he made me into help mold me into the player that I was by the time Coach Belichick got the head coaching job and he was uh, running things. So I was already established player, but Parcells got in my head so much that, you know, I have to give him you know, the props and the credit when it, when it, when it comes to that, but enjoyment of the whole thing. I enjoyed playing for both of them because I went to Super Bowls, but I just had more overall team success under coach Belichick because we walked away with three Super Bowls. As you know, well, you intercepted Peyton Manning nine times, five times in the postseason. Mm -hmm. If you do, do end up elected in the hall of fame, are you going to thank Peyton Manning for helping you to get to Canton? <laughs> <laughs> have him present you. you know? I, I would I, I wouldn't say that, but I think uh, Peyton, you know, a few years ago, uh, he did a, a press conference saying that he would be the one uh, to want to give the speech to for me to get into the Hall of Fame. And I thought that was a hell of a compliment coming from a great quarterback. But, you know, to be honest with you, Peyton had Peyton always had me ready to go. I mean, I had butterflies the night before because I knew that I had to show up and play. And if I didn't show up to play that you guys probably wouldn't be talking to me right now or I'd be on the other end of the highlights all day, so I couldn't have that. So he was a he was a major motivating factor uh, throughout my career because, you know, he had me shaking in the boots, you know, uh, the night before. Well, Ty, did, did anyone else, though, have you shaking in your boots? I mean, was there another quarterback you felt the same way? You know what? Not not really uh, because going into most games, a lot of guys wouldn't throw at me. I knew uh, that Peyton, because of the confidence that he had, within himself, and then I was covering Marvin Harrison, his go-to guy. Either he's going to try to throw at me or have Marvin pissed off. So <laughs> I knew I was going to get uh, some action at at that point. And um, a lot of other games, I I really didn't know if I would see a ball or not, even if I was on the top receiver. But I knew going into that game that I would get a couple opportunities, you know, to get my hands on the ball just because of who I was playing with and the type of quarterback that he is. So I would say – he probably had me thinking the most out of anybody I ever played against. But early in my career, you talk about Dan Marino, Steve Young, yeah, when I'm right. playing against Jerry Rice, those guys. 
LA. But, you know, I was still, I was still, yeah, LA, I was still wet behind the ears then. So, you know, I was worried about everybody. But once <laughs> I established myself and got the confidence that I needed, there wasn't too many people that I was worried about as far as from the quarterback position. You know, from a receiver standpoint, you know, I I tried to approach it the same way, but I understood that this receiver is better than that receiver. You know what I mean? I could never sleep on anybody because we all get paid, you know, and you can get beat at any given time. But I always put extra emphasis on that Indianapolis game. Hey, hey Ty, uh, you know, speaking of uh, some of those past games, and we're on with Hall of Fame semifinalist Ty Law, uh, I want to take you back to 2003 and that defense because that defense led the NFL in fewest points allowed, lowest quarterback rating, fewest TD passes allowed, also led the league in interceptions. So how come we don't hear more about that defense? I, I don't know. Uh, I guess because the way we played the game, and it was always someone different. I mean, I think for whatever reason, the, the Patriots are Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and everybody else. I mean, and that's just <laughs> what kind of stuck. You know, like we didn't have – you know, good individual players, but we accepted that. And I think the media overall just didn't look at us as a great defense because you had the storyline with Tom Brady. You know, he took most of the uh, the spotlight and deservedly so. I mean, he, he came out of nowhere and did some remarkable things. But at the time, we were a defensive football team. And I don't know why we didn't get the credit, but we're okay with that because we all have Super Bowl rings and – yeah, at the end of the day, that's what counts. Well, as as I certainly know, and we talked about many times, and you would remind me periodically in case I forgot, uh, you are more than a cover corner. You seem to pride yourself on run defense and physical style, uh, which eventually mm-hmm. led to, to the law being laid down after that 2003 championship game, and now you're the reason mm-hmm. none of these defensive backs can touch anybody. Do you feel guilty <laughs> at all about that? And, and, and what do you feel about the sort of way they have to play today as opposed to the way you like to play? You know what? I don't feel guilty at all because it's like finally somebody you know recognizing what we did so if it had to be if it had to come down to that so be it but <laughs> I think the game is getting pretty soft you know to be honest with you um you know you think uh you know of how the game was back when it was male blunt because it was a male blunt rule you know years ago and the way the Pittsburgh played the game you know that was that was football. You know, you, you you're going to start putting flags on guys right now. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't think that I can really play and be successful in today's game because the way I was brought up playing, you know, you, we, we play physical, you know, if the receiver touched the ball, knock the hell out of him right now. You know what I mean? And uh, it's just a shame that, that it has to go down like it is. I mean, it's, it's an offensive game. So it should be a premium as far as the corners right now, because you can't do anything. You know, that's why guys like Darrell Rivas who can go out there and really, you know, play the game, at the level he's playing, I mean, he should get paid all the money because it is totally a, a offensive ran ran league. They want to see touchdowns, but they're forgetting about the essence of football, in my opinion. You know, you can, you might as well put a, a red shirt on the quarterback now. You know, like in practice, you can't you can't hit him, and I think it's taken away from the game. And you know, in another couple of years, if they keep adding more rules, even though they are trying to protect the players. We knew what we signed up for when we started playing this game. And, a, you know, hit or be hit. And that's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the game is being watered down. You know, five years from now, we're we, we going to start losing fans if they keep doing this. Hey, Ty, we're starting to lose time here, so we got to roll. But uh, thanks so much for joining us again. And best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks, Ty. Thanks, Thanks Ty. Ty. Thank Appreciate it. That was Hall of Fame semifinalist Ty Law. Up next, the Patriots-Colts rivalry. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. We're also brought to you by Proactive, where... For $19.95, you get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. It's a pretty good deal, but this is better. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Call 1-800-644-9544. 1-800-644-9544. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. (laughs) Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Like you, I'm a big sports enthusiast, and I want my gear to shine like new. That's why it's clean with Simple Green, the concentrated cleaner that's perfect for making your auto, RV, cycling, boating, and other sporting equipment look like new again. Try it today. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new four for four. Four bucks for the junior bacon cheeseburger with freshly cooked applewood smoked bacon, four all white meat nuggets, and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right, just four bucks for a junior bacon cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Well, MyCleanPC.com is who we thought it is. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network's also brought to you by Geico. That's Geico, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Nobody ever wanted their money back when the Colts and Patriots got together, Ron. You know that because you saw a lot of those games. Um, yes, sir. I, I say that even though Bill Polian, who was in the Hall of Fame and was then the general manager of the Colts, he wanted the rules changed after the 2003 AFC Championship game because he thought there was too much holding, pushing, et cetera, of his receivers. And you know what? Got his wish. He did. Cried like a baby, he did. Cried like <laughs> a baby who's like a child whose bike was stolen. It was awful. <laughs> Pathetic, really. Uh, you know, and then he strong armed his way through the competition, but he, where he had a lot of uh, power. And yeah. Suddenly he had this quote-unquote new emphasis 
involving, uh, you know, put the wide receivers in Kevlar jackets to make the defensive backs wear handcuffs. You know, I mean, it ruined the damn game, if you ask me. Uh, uh, you know, but Sounds like a all, true Raider fan. Yeah, you know, you know, but despite all those rule changes, you know, you still only got one ring out of it with, the greatest, with one of the great quarterbacks ever. So it wasn't ever about the rules, but he thought it was. I, I was glad to see you catch yourself here there. We said the greatest, uh, one of the greatest. Thank right. you very much. Thank you. Uh, hey, Goose, before we go farther. Um, yeah, I almost forgot Joe Montana and Sammy Baugh. Yeah, right, right. Brady, Brady. <laughs> hey, Goose, before we go farther, um, I think we should mention the Colts-Patriots game. It's part of our greatest rivalry series, which we've had all month. And this was a great rivalry in the uh, decade that was the 2000s. But what made it great, of course, was that quarterback that uh, Ron was referring to, the great, oh, one of the greatest, Peyton Manning, and the greatest, Tom Brady. They were both involved. Um, but there has to be more than two Hall of Fame quarterbacks to make a rivalry, doesn't there? Two great quarterbacks, two great coaches, both defensive gurus, Bill Belichick and Tony Dungy. Now, Belichick, of course, goes down with Chuck Noll with the four Super Bowl rings. But Dungy has the sixth best winning percentage of all time behind five Hall of Famers, Lombardi, Hallis, Shula, Madden, and George Allen. He also achieved something Belichick couldn't win with another franchise, and he did it without a quarterback. He took the Buccaneers to the playoffs four times in five years, reaching the NFC title game once with the likes of Trent Dilfer, Sean King, and Brad Johnson taking the snaps from center. So there were two great coaches in the Colts-Patriots rivalry, not just one. We had great coaches, great quarterbacks, and great games. And I want to ask you guys to, to kind of look through uh, the past or look through your history books and tell me what sticks out to you. I, I mean, I think of that 2006 conference championship game where Indy came from, I guess it was 18 points down. But, Goose, I'm going to start with you. When you think of the Colts-Patriots rivalry, is there a game, a moment, whatever, that stands out to you? Yeah, you mentioned 2006. You know, what I find most interesting in the most, in the most telling play of the Peyton Manning era in Indianapolis was a handoff. They met the Patriots three times in the playoffs during the Brady-Manning era, and the Colts just won just that one time in 2006. And that was the moment of truth for Manning. The Patriots took a 34-31 lead on a field goal of three and a half minutes left. You know, facing Manning was a legacy drive. Could he take his team the length of the field and finally beat Brady, assuring his own place uh, in the championship history? Manning passed the Colts in a possession, completing three passes for 57 yards. But on third and goal from the New England three, with the Patriots fully expecting a pass, Manning handed the ball off to Joseph Adai for the game-winning touchdown. That told me winning was more important to Manning than ego. Yeah, too bad he didn't do a little more of it against the Patriots. But, hey, that doesn't make him <laughs> a bad guy, right? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you the game for me. And it I was have two words for you, Dron. Ken Stabler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, soon to be Hall of Famer. Yeah, um, I think you're right. The game that sticks out for me was a regular season game, actually, November 16th of 2009. You guys will all remember that's the night that, to me, Belichick finally waved the white flag and really announced that things had changed. And that's where he went for it on uh, fourth and two at his own 28 with 2.08 to play in the lead. Patriots called their second timeout uh, of that drive, uh, so they had none left. Uh, they decided to throw a short pass to Kevin Fox, came up just short, and we all know what happened uh, after that. Fittingly enough, he got tackled by a guy named Melvin Bullet because the death bullet was coming when Peyton Manning came back on the field. Boom, they get down and... <laughs> again to win the game. That was their 18th straight regular season win. They were on that, that incredible streak, and they had come back from being 17 down in the fourth quarter, which never 
uh, had happened really much in the past. You know, usually when the Patriots got him down, that was the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, and and to me, the, it was the first time Belichick's Patriots had lost when leading by at least 13 in the final period, and and that was a sign that you know, Manning and the Colts were now it was a level playing field, which it hadn't been early in the rivalry. Well, guys, I, I want to go back in time, but uh, Ron, I'm not going to 2009 and Goose. I'm not going to 2006. I'm taking the way back machine to 1978 wow. uh, when the Colts were an 18-point underdog, mostly because friend of the show, Burt Jones, wasn't playing. Tell, tell the truth, and also boyhood idol of you. Yeah, that is absolutely true. I love Burt Jones. But anyway, he wasn't playing, uh, and they were an 18-point underdog. And what happened? They rallied, and I, I, I think you guys would probably remember it was in the rain. Joe Washington made his first start with the Colts. He threw a 54-yard touchdown pass to Roger Carr. He caught a 23-yard touchdown pass from Bill Troop. And he returned a kickoff 90 yards for a TD. All of that in the fourth quarter to lead the Colts to a memorable come-from-behind win. Last question for you guys. Where's this rank among great rivalries? Colts-Patriots. Goose? Well, when you, you find the great quarterback in rivalries, you'll find the great NFL rivalries, whether it's uh, Staubach and Bradshaw, Elway Marino, Aikman and Young. But the bigger the games, the better the rivalry. You know, they played in the two... Uh, the two title games, but uh, Aikman and Young, three title games, Dominic and Bradshaw, two Super Bowls, so it's down the list a little bit. Ronnie? Yeah, I agree because it was, you know, it was kind of, lo- it got lopsided in one direction for a long time and then it was kind of lopsided in the other direction for a while with the Colts, so I, I don't put it up with the great ones. Plus, it just didn't have the animus, you know, it didn't have the required hatred uh, that I think goes along with a great, great rivals. The fans hated him, but the players, it was a love fest. Manning and Brady are always hugging in the middle of the I want somebody hit with a with a club. Bang! You know what I mean? <laughs> Ronnie, 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 Ronnie. Well, one of our great rivalries each week is trying to decide Borges or Bogus. Yeah, I, I always have trouble making up my mind which one I'm favoring. Anyway, <laughs> Ronnie's here today, and Ron, I understand you got a plug for Concussion, the movie, or what you just saw? <laughs> right, everyone should see it. You see it every week in the NFL, unfortunately. You're right. Uh, you know, uh, Texans quarterback Brian Hoyer suffered one uh, Sunday night, uh, suffered several, actually, it looked like to me, but, and now he says he's concerned after suffering his second concussion in a month, and, and he should be. But what he should be more concerned about was why he was back in the game when the medical staff on the sidelines were seen repeatedly talking to him uh, between uh, a number of series there. Uh, for nearly a quarter. What were they asking him about? The weather? Uh-uh. The roof was on. Cover two? Uh, if New England's defensive end, Jabal Sheard, has bad breath? Bogus. I mean, how many times do we have to see this play out before the NFL's lame claims that either the spotter in the booth didn't see it or the medical staff followed the protocol, despite the rest of us all see an addled player trying to function in a fog under attack? Warriors' final few series against the Patriots were filled with slow reactions and mental errors, in my opinion. How, for example, can an experienced NFL quarterback not see that Sheard was going to be unblocked on a pass play if he, uh, if I could see it in the press box before he could see it when they snapped the ball? You know, he, he's definitely concussed. You know, Houston was in a lineup on that play where Jamie Collins was over the right tackle. Sheard was outside him with no tight end or running back to block him. When the ball was snapped, Collins just hit the tackle. Running back went out in the flat, and Sheard just came in untouched and, and just leveled Hoyer. Can we hear the sound of a wind chimes in your head? And guess what? <laughs> He played on. Bogus. <laughs> there you go. The NFL may have its concussion protocols, but the sideline is in the middle of a game. It hardly seems the proper environment to conduct them. If you have a concussion goose, 
Does your doctor examine you in a, on a freeway overpass? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to be a concussion expert to realize after watching Case Keenum continue playing when clearly concussed or Hoyer being con uh, constantly talked to by the medical staff rather than the offensive coordinator between series until a big hit finally took him out, that the NFL uh, may have its protocols, but the sidelines are not the place to administer them. Bogus. Time for doctors around the NFL to start acting like their patients are the players and not the team. Of course, they'd have to be called players' doctors, not team doctors, wouldn't they? And who pays them then? Ron, should the NFL hire doctors who are not in the employee of the home teams to be on the sidelines during the games to make those judgment calls on concussed players? That way they, they don't have a dog on a flight. Would that solve it? I, I think that they, that, they, uh, uh, that they should, that you're independent. You're not dealing with these teams, and you could rotate them around like they do with officials. So I'm not on the sidelines you know, for 20 weeks with Bill Belichick you know, looking at him and giving me the Death Star look, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's very intimidating and very difficult. So I think that would help, certainly. We're now dealing with coaches. We're dealing with time here, guys. We're running out of it. Coming up, Hall of Fame voter Nick Canepa on what might be the Chargers' last home game ever. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. <coughs> hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Geico presents Kathy, the Candid Realtor. Okay, and right around here is the kitchen. Gas range, granite countertops, all those gadgets you registered for will look great up here until that toaster overheats and takes out everything in a two-foot radius. It's hard to know all that comes with renting a home or apartment. That's why the GEICO Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. So it's just a reminder that we're brought to you by Proactive, where for $19.95, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. 
What's better, however, is you get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. We didn't call that number, but we have called Nick Canepa, Hall of Fame voter, friend of the show and a columnist for the San Diego Union Tribune. And Nick, we want to talk to you because you got a big game coming up this weekend. I know that sounds odd when you've got a 3-10 and team that you're covering, but it's San Diego against Miami, and it may be the last home game ever in San Diego for the Chargers. So uh, my question to you is, I've known you for a long time. You've grown up uh, in San Diego. You've watched this team um, most of your life. And you watched them back when they played in Balboa with the AFL. What are your emotions going into this weekend? And what are the emotions of that city? Well, it's, it's a tough read right now because, you know, it's, it's kind of a numbness because it's been going on now for like 11 months. I mean, I, I you know, it's hard to say because I really don't think this is going to be their last game. I don't think I don't think anybody's doing anything in 2016. So, I mean, I I could be very wrong. I think this is going to be a very contentious thing. But if it is, you know, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a sad day. It's going to be bad for San Diego. If you're from San Diego, it's a it's a bad thing. I mean, my dad took me to the first game against Buffalo in Balboa Stadium, 1961. So, a lot of memories there, man. A lot of disappointments and a lot of a lot of good things. Nick, what's the best game you ever saw at San Diego? Seventy-nine team, the loss of Houston without Dan Pastorini and and Earl Campbell and Kenny Burrow that to beat the two Super Bowl teams that year just just beat the heck out of them. They beat Pittsburgh like what was it, thirty-five to seven, and the Rams like forty-two to sixteen. I thought they were the best team, and they and they screwed it up. I I still think that's the best team. They still had a good defense then. And, I, you know, they were they were awfully good the year after that. The team that lost to the Raiders in the AFC Championship game here. The pass was tipped to Raymond Chester and uh, on the opening drive. So, uh, you know, but you know, I, it was certainly better than the Super Bowl team. Even even Bobby Bedford thought they got to the Super Bowl too fast, but '95. Uh, and those were good teams. I mean, probably the most talented teams here were the ones, you know, 2006. The one fourteen and two, they had. I mean, they they were loaded, and they you know they they botched that. So it's hard to say. They had a lot of talent here about ten years ago, seven, eight, nine years ago. They were pretty good. They're not good now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Thanks for that headline, Nick. Yeah, there you go. Not much hey, gets I by just, this guy. You know, I know you guys. You, know, you guys don't pay attention out here. It's, I know it's all right. <laughs> Well, uh, they stink. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can think of a Chargers team uh, that, in my mind, is the best Chargers team that was ever constructed. Chargers team that broke my heart on January fifth, nineteen sixty-four, when I waited all day long as a young boy, a young boy in shorts, waiting for the Boston Patriots to play the San Diego Chargers in the AFL Championship uh, game at Balboa the Stadium. Stunk. <laughs> well, I don't know if they did or not, but you guys won 51 to 10, so it wasn't really about the Patriots. But, A, were you at yeah, that, that was, game? B, what was that no, like? No, I was not. No, what I, was that I like for a young kid to see it? You know, to well, see I, it them. was great. I mean, I did see it. I was not at the game, but I, I remember it well. Keith Lincoln went berserk. Went berserk. Like, was on, he was on mind-altering drugs. There's no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> berserk. Some total yards. And, uh, yeah. oh. And Paul Lowe, too. They couldn't tackle him yeah. either. 
I think the first time he touched the ball, Nick, he went like 80 yards to the house. Right. Yeah, that was like Sid Gilman's masterpiece game plan. They just they just annihilated Boston. I mean. But don't you think that was a great game? I mean, there was a lot of great players oh, on that team. Oh, it was a team. great. Oh, it's, oh, yeah. Well, Lance Albert was on that team. Right. Can't do much right. better than that. No, you don't. Earl, hey, Earl Faison. I remember Earl Faison. Maybe the killing. Yeah, uh, Ernie Ladd, Earl Faison. Ernie Ladd, yeah. Yeah, hey, I mean, Nick, uh, To this day, Ron hates Tobin Rote. I do hate Tobin Rote. You know, there's the one thing. Forget the wall around Mexico. Build a wall around Canada. Keep that guy up there in the CFL. None of this would have happened. Well, I don't know why he hates him. I mean, Tobin kind of had an arm like Ron. Very, very similar. I'll tell you one thing. You look at all the great highlights of Lance Allworth. He had to make these spectacular catches because Rote, Rote couldn't possibly throw it far enough. <laughs> uh, we're with Hall of Fame voter Nick Canva on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Nicky, uh, let's just say the Chargers leave. You don't think they will this year, but let's just say they do. Uh, how did this happen? I mean, who's to blame for letting them go? Is it the Spanos's? Is it the city? Is it the voters? Oh, no, How'd the we city get is to blame. Oh, no, it's all the city. The city's totally to blame. I, I wrote 10 years ago that the team wasn't going to keep playing in this place forever, and and they can't. I mean, I, I can't blame them one bit for wanting to play in a better place. What I blame them for is the asinine way they've treated everybody here in the last 10, 10 11 months. You know, there, there's been no reason for that. If they want to leave, they could leave. If, you know, but, you know, the city botched it 10 years ago. The, the Chargers just wanted 60 acres of land in Mission Valley, which now they're willing to give them. The Chargers were paying for everything. Cost overruns, infrastructure, everything. And the city didn't do it. So, you know, enough is enough. I, I can't blame them. I, You know, it's, it's an incredibly poorly run city that, 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 that caught on to this too late in the game. We've got about 15 seconds to go, but do you think this, the, the people in the city feel the same way or do they have animosity towards the Spanoses? Oh, I, don't, I think they had animosity towards the Spanoses 30 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, they, well, that, they don't like the Spanoses anyway, but this has only made matters worse. Okay, all right. And, I, you know, it's kind of a They've never really done anything to them until now, but, you know, but the, it's, it's, it's never been a... A love relationship with with the ownership of this team. Well, Nikki, you just heard that two minute warning. That's a signal that uh, we're two minutes from another Chargers loss or the fans booing Alex Spanos or Dean at the midfield. Anyway, thanks for stopping by, and I know you're in Las Vegas. Hope you have better luck there than the Bolts had with this season. Thanks, Nikki. Well, I have no luck here, so. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Whatever happens there, just keep it there, would you please? Keep it there, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I wouldn't think of bringing it anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. That Take was care, the Cindy. See you. The Cindy Union tributes Nick Canepa, and this is the two-minute drill. Where? Well, Ronnie's waiting to throw that first question out there. So, Ronnie, let's get to it. Good. Here we go. Oakland's Khalil Mack had five sacks Sunday. Is he the most underappreciated defensive player in the NFL? He was until last week. How can anyone possibly underappreciate a member of the Oakland Raiders? Oh. Agreed. Where's the music when you need it? Uh, NFL MVP, Cam Newton or Rob Gronkowski? Neither. Does the name Tom Brady ring a bell? 0-2 without Gronk. The guy who touches football every play, and it's not Tom Brady. Interesting fact, boys. 
No Alabama quarterback has won an NFL game since Jeff Rutledge in 1987. Wow. Will A.J. McCarron be the next? Uh, yeah. Check the schedule, Ronnie. He's playing the 49ers. <laughs> Agreed. Circle Sunday on the calendar. A 72-year-old Joe Namath could beat the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and he kissed the cheerleaders, too. Uh, speaking of McCarron, he keeps <laughs> comparing himself to uh, Clark's best bud, Todd Brady. Is he the next Brady or the next Brandon Whedon? Well, he can't be the next Brady. He wasn't drafted low enough. McCarron should be better than Brady. He was drafted around higher. <laughs> Is uh, I'll get this name wrong, but you guys will have fun with it. Is no. I.K. <laughs> and McFally, the Jets' MVP, for getting the Amish rifle under center. Congratulations. You should be for pronouncing that. Yeah, he is. So, someone had to break Geno Smith's jaw, and he drew the short straw. I'm partial to Brandon Marshall. His arrival in March made every quarterback in that roster better. Who does Eagles uh, coach Chip Kelly call next? Ghostbusters. The Cowboys. It's clearly time to send DeMarco Murray back from whence he came. When he dials a number, will anybody answer this time? Well, Jeff Lurie might, except he's busy listening to DeMarco Murray. Jerry Jones will pick up any and all calls this offseason. <laughs> Should the Patriots watch Remember the Titans or Titans Gamefield to prepare for Sunday's showdown with Tennessee? Neither. Try this. Forget the Titans. They stink. Bill Belichick has no concerns unless Ronnie Sunshine Bass shows up to quarterback these Titans. <laughs> What's wrong with Robbie Gould's foot? Nothing that a 45-degree turn can't correct. It's called age, Ron. It gets all of us, even 34-year-old kickers. That's the end of the game. It does? Anyway, we want to thank Edger and James, Ty Law, and Nick Canepa for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. <coughs> hey, boo. You know, when I cough, I expel a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. I've got stamina, too. I cough all night long. <laughs> Ugh, that's way too long. Take Robitussin 12-Hour for fast, long-lasting cough relief. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. All night long. Please stop. 